this is the In My League podcast, in case uh, you didn't know what you just clicked on. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, I'm your host, Jordan. This is Josh. Hello. He's also a host. Yep, so, co-host. Uh, we're here tonight. We're, we're pretty chill. We're laid back. We're going to do a mock draft for you tonight. But first, I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something. Say it. Okay. I'm actually curious uh, what you're going to say. I'm going to say it. I'm gonna say if you are a, if you are looking if you're evaluating players tonight tonight right now if you're evaluating players and um, you are looking strictly at their analytical profile or their statistical profile and trying to project them based on just their statistics alone right like if that's all you're looking at to project a player into the future you're doing it wrong how you should I do to, it. You gotta look at you. I mean, you're at least looking at something, right? You're looking at yeah. statistics. You're looking at analytics, but also you you gotta look at their situation. You gotta oh, look at their industry. You gotta look at who their coach is, yep. who their offensive coordinator is, what their tendencies are, what did they even like the player? You remember Kiki QT? I do. Yeah. What happened to him? Or He's Dante Pettis? You could say that too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those are French players, of course, but. I'm saying this as you don't want to take like we, we mentioned Devonte Adams in our last podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to take a player like Devonte Adams and say that you know he's going to go and be a wide receiver one overall. He's going to lead the league with 180 targets and say with full confidence, like I've seen so many people doing this past week. That seems ludicrous. Yeah, it's crazy because he's literally only had one 1,000-yard season, but continue. Yeah, so um, what they're failing to consider, to consider, like we considered in our podcast last week, is that there are so many other factors that go into that come into play here for Devontae Adams. So many other factors. Um, you know, it's the same reason why we're not projecting Stephon Diggs to, to, to live up to the hype in Buffalo. Right. God, I can't believe I said Stephon Diggs' name. I swear in that last one we said – Stephon Diggs. I said it like 30 times. times. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I was literally just saying it just to be Stephon cheeky. Diggs, yeah. shut up. <laughs> that's that's your uh, that's your first two-minute takeaway here. I like that. Uh, Analytics, a, situation, coaching, all of that stuff. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. You need the whole picture, not just the analytics. Now, it's also backwards if you just look at the coaching core, Larry, and say, yeah, yeah, this is what we should expect out of this player because, you know, Shanahan's wide receiver one averages 140 targets uh, across Shanahan's uh, coordinating career. You know, you can look at that and say, yeah, that might be true uh, or roughly true or roundabouts, ballpark, whatever. You know, you can say that, but you also got to look at the players and, and look, at the, look at who he has in San Francisco right now and say, he has two redundant assets in Debo Samuel and Red Knight. He's right. about to have Jalen Hurd there as well, who's like a bigger, slower redundant asset compared to those guys. So, like, you can't just go off the of co- coaching corollary either. You know, you have to combine everything, and that's how you get proper analysis. So, you know, you got the guys in the, in the community saying, you know, looking at the, these analytical profiles and projecting way out you know, projecting ridiculous things that yeah. don't make any logical sense because they're illogical. They're detached from reality. You have to you have to combine these two things. So I wanted to get that out there and say that. It's been on my chest for the last week, just looking at these tweets from these experts. 
Josh, I think we were going to do a mock draft. Yeah, I'm um, excited. We're I almost gonna... forgot about it. I almost I... went into an hour-long diatribe there about proper analysis. I mean, I would have been okay so... with that because it would have helped me a lot. But, yes, we're going to do a 12-team mock draft for rookies. So if you're in a dynasty league, if you um, are in one of those leagues where you're looking at a rookie draft this year, we're just going to do a quick 12-team first-round mock draft and then a second round on another episode. So we're going to do a one-quarterback mock draft here 12 teams uh josh how about you kick us off with the 101 since you've got the 101 you were the biggest loser in our home league i was um, i'm proud of that it's probably one of the toughest decisions to make if you don't also have the 102 um yeah. but yeah so kick us off what do you got man uh yeah this is a tough one i think the biggest conversation is do you take ceh or jonathan taylor with the 101 and I think today, no. you know, I've obviously no. I've changed uh, my tune a thousand times. But I think, I think at this juncture in a dynasty draft, I think I would probably take Jonathan Taylor 101. Um, the reason that I would is because he's probably my favorite rookie entering the draft. Super explosive player, massive college production. You give him a senior season, and he crushes the records. Um, he's a potential three down back. I like Marlon Mack, but they never really used him in the passing game, um, unfortunately. So Taylor could deliver fantasy production day one and hopefully becomes a three down back for the Colts by the end of at least maybe even early in the season. But at the very at the very least, he'll be the starting back next year and probably will be the starting back this year, too. And so I think Taylor's a valuable dynasty asset. He's literally a he's like a top five potential running back. He's uh, who I would take at 101. You've changed your mind, haven't you? Every single day that you ask me, yes. <laughs> yeah, you told me, you told me. let's see, Asai this weekend. Uh, you told me, JT, we were uh, playing catch in the backyard. And then, uh, let's see, if you switch every other day, let's see, Sunday, Monday. So am I right back on track? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, you're on track. It, it is Wednesday. I keep thinking it's Thursday. So, yeah, you're on track. So, tomorrow will be CEH, right? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow will be the Kareem Hunt, LaShawn McCoy combo child CEH. Com- what is a combo child? Combo child. It's where two football, combo child. Sounds elite like... football players fall in love. I'm just kidding. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a crappy high school reggae band. I would listen to it, like... though. I would 100% Maybe. listen to it. Uh, I think that's the right pick to make. Uh, CEH is uh, not as great of a athletic profile as JT. I don't think there's much more to be said. I think there, you know, we've already said it ourselves. Uh, so I think at 102, the pick is obvious. Uh, CEH, that's who I'm going with. Um, I look at him and I see, you know, I see a player who, is going to catch a ton of passes. He's going to be Alvin Kamara light, uh, or maybe he's going to make Alvin Kamara look like CEH light. Who knows, you know, what he's going to do in that office, uh, office, office, offense. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So 103, what'd you got? At 103, I would be taking J.K. Dobbins. Mr. Dobbins, I like him on that team. Baltimore Ravens broke the rushing record last year, and I think a lot of that had to do with a quarterback that broke a thousand yards for the first time since like Michael Vick. 
But um, before the draft, I don't even know if I would have had J.K. Dobbins in my top, like, five. But just because of the location, the only running back that I'm really worried about in Baltimore is Mark Ingram. But he's aging. He had a great season. He'll get some touches. But I think next year we could see J.K. Dobbins be the lead back in Baltimore. And so he'd be a great asset for any dynasty team. So I'm taking J.K. Dobbins at the 103. Yeah, Mark Ingram was nursing a calf strain for, like, the final four out of six weeks of his uh, 2019 season. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a fantastic fit in Baltimore uh, because they run a ton of RPO concepts. And who do you think, Josh, is the uh, running back in this class who ran the most RPOs in college? I'm going to go ahead and guess that it was J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, it was. So that's a great pick. It's a great fit. Um, you might need to wait a year to really see true RB1 production out of him, but who knows? You know, you never know what teams are going to do uh, to save a little money against the cap. So Mark Ingram, you know, he's he, he's, he is definitely cuttable um, this offseason. If they feel the need to do that, um, I personally don't think that they will, but it is a possibility, you know. Right. So Jacob Dobbins, uh, I think he should see at least a 40% share in that backfield. I would love that. So what about at the four, Jordan? One of four is where it starts to get a little interesting uh, because we've got a few guys here uh, that we could we could go with. If you want a wide receiver, you got Ceedee Lamb hanging out there. Personally, I think with these running with his running back class, it's a little early for Ceedee uh, just because of the value you could get. Um, you know, running backs are are far more scarce than wide receivers. Wide receivers, of course, have a longer shelf life, but um, See, the lamb's going to be kind of kind of waiting in the wings a little bit this first year. Um, so I'm looking at DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers, really. Yeah. Oh, it is hard, man. It's so hard. Um, two great backs. Uh, Cam Akers isn't even 21 yet. He's uh, at, you know playing for the Rams. They're going to run the ball a lot. You saw how many touchdowns Todd Gurley got last year. There's a uh, wide open hole know. at that position too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've got Daryl Henderson, who they traded, uh, who they t- traded two third rounders to get, uh, to move or traded a, th- uh, yeah, took two third rounders to get him uh, last year, and uh, so there's that. But I really don't think that the sunk cost of that for the Rams is that big of a deal. Right. I think they saw everything they needed to see out of Daryl Henderson last year to hand the job to somebody else, and that's what they're going to do. Um, that said. Um, I'm also looking at DeAndre Swift, who, you know, was more or less the consensus 102 before the draft. So, yeah. um, and know, depending on extremely... landing spot, he could have been a 101. Yeah, he's an extremely talented runner. Um, he's he's got soft hands. Um, gosh, uh, but I just don't trust that scheme up in Detroit. I just don't trust the coaches. I don't trust that they're going to be there long term. Or Detroit um, running backs since Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think here at the 104, I'm going to have to go Cam Akers. Uh, I think he's an extremely talented back. He's got a ton of room for for growth and development. And you know, I've heard it said you know, before the draft that he had the highest ceiling of any any of the running backs uh, in this class if he could just put it all together. And um, whether or not you believe that, listeners or not, uh, it's up to you. But um, I look at him and I see. I see, gosh, if if he be, if he can beat out Daryl Daryl Henderson, I, I think he has a 70-30 split in that backfield. 
and that's extremely valuable. Um, yeah. You know, as a rookie. Uh, so yeah, that's who I'm going with. Uh, who do you got at one and five, Josh? I think at 105, you'd have to go DeAndre Swift and vice versa. If you would have picked him before, I would have said Cam Akers. I feel like that's a consensus top five with John Taylor, CEH, J.K. Dobbins, Akers, and Swift. I think Swift is hard to trust because he's a Detroit running back. You know, I've been burned by Detroit running backs personally, but he's going to be joining Carryon Johnson, who's ended two seasons in a row on IR. So I think that DeAndre Swift has potential to earn a starting role. And we have to remember, like, DeAndre Swift can catch the ball out of the out out of the backfield, and there's been players in that backfield that you've had on your roster in a 12-team league that are like the second or third string running back on the team, like Theo Riddick, just because of the passing downs. And so Detroit does do really well with passing down backs. So DeAndre Swift is a good pick, and, and not only is he good on passing downs, but he's got a three-down skill set. He's able to run, you know, three. Uh, he's able to be a three-down back. And so he's he's an interesting pick. I think it really depends on if Carryon Johnson can step up to the level of running back that everyone's claimed him to be, like last year when you were taking him in maybe the top 10 running backs in a startup. And so uh, I would take DeAndre Swift at 105. Yeah, I don't um, – Carryon Johnson is the, is another major concern. Um, he's still a very talented back. He's still young, um, too. Still, yeah, exceptionally young. I think he's only like 23. Um yeah, that that's that's the main that that makes it hard to to pick him over Cam Akers. Uh, just like I hear what you're saying, uh, I, I just think Kerry and Johnson. I, I think they're going to that that backfield is going to be convoluted and it's going to be annoying and frustrating. And if you're drafting a running back, you want a sure thing. Of course, you know he's a great back. DeAndre Swift is a great running back. Right. Uh, you just got to kind of know what you're getting into here. And it's not like it's a sure thing. It's not like where it's not like you're taking him at the one Oh two here, you know, and expecting to get a plug and play starting running back. Right. Uh, for your team, for your fantasy roster. Um, you just have to, you know, we're getting to the point in the draft where you've got to kind of consider some things, you know, some of these players are going to probably need a little time to, to meet expectations. Um, so, Moving on here to the 106, um, I'm looking at the board here, and it's getting thin and running back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn is a reach. Um, he's, he's super reach, and I'm not going to make that reach. So looking at wide receiver, uh, we've got C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb, not whatever that was I just said, um, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy. Uh, and, you know, we really like Jalen Rager here um, at, in my league, and – uh, to to me, he looks he looks fantastic. Uh, I, I think he's going to be. Um, I, I hate making this comparison just because it's such an unfair comparison, but he looks to me like a Tyreek Hill sort of player. Um, he, he could develop into that as as he develops as a wide receiver. He's not as fast, obviously, um, but he's built similarly. He actually has ten pounds on. Tyreek Hill's playing weight, which I believe was 195 last year, and like a sort of like a running back out there playing wide receiver, a scat back playing wide receiver. Um, um, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Uh, he's not even the pick. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about him because you know we've said that he's a wide receiver one, and really I think how it's sh- starting to shake out is that we've got three wide receiver ones, and it's really pick your poison, uh, whoever you want. Um, so I think situationally. 
I'm going to probably want to go with CD Lamb here uh, just for the value and the, the name brand, you know, really. Uh, he's a phenomenal yak route uh, or yak receiver, and he's going to fit in with that Cowboys offense. Uh, it's obvious that Mike McCarthy has given Kellen Moore the, key, Kellen Moore the keys to that offense. And C.D. Lamb is going to eclipse, I'm going to call it, C.D. Lamb is going to eclipse not only Michael Gallup, but Amari Cooper by his third year in the league. He will be the wide receiver one going into his third year. I can see that. I can see that. Josh, who do you got at the 107? I think at the seventh pick, I know that you said it's a reach at the sixth pick, but I feel like if this guy falls to the seventh pick, even though you may be able to get him a couple of picks later, I think that you need to jump on it, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. I can't express how important pass-catching backs are in the NFL right now. Like, look at literally like Christian McCaffrey, literally basically a wide receiver in the backfield. And not only that, but this is a running back that's been drafted to Tampa Bay, whose coach is Bruce Arians, who has a history of getting those kind of running backs and has a history of making those kind of running backs incredibly fantasy-relevant. And they called him a three-down back just last week. Literally, and that's that's what I'm saying too. And not to mention that this is Tom Brady now. It's not Jameis Winston throwing 85-yard bombs and getting two interceptions out of five throws. This is Tom Brady who's going to be throwing those, those uh, backfield passes. He's going to be throwing passes to people in the check downs. That's why they went out and got Gronkowski. And so I think that he's always demanded strong pass catchers in his backfield, like James White and Deion Lewis. And so for Keyshawn Vaughn to fall at the seven, I think that's a great pick. And he's probably, in my opinion, the last running back in that first round mock. And so I think that he's a a perfect pick at seven. And I think he actually is going to have a really, really good fantasy year. Uh, and he's also one of the highest-rated uh, highest pass protectors in the class. And so that means he's going to be in the game quite a bit. And even though Ronald Jones has been you know, on our radar for a couple of seasons, and at least last year was pretty important, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a good football player. And, and he, it's been known he's not been able to live up to his potential. It's been known that he was never really a three-down guy. And so Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, is a steal at the seventh pick. Yeah. I could totally see a situation where they go into the season as kind of a split backfield. And as the season goes on, Ronald Jones is going to miss a blocking assignment. Tom Brady's going to nod toward the sideline. And Keyshawn Vaughn's going to come in and start demand, start commanding 80% of the running back snaps. <laughs> you know, And I think that's and, realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I, an, another name in that backfield I do want to mention, though, is Dario Ogumbawale. I do know how to say his name. For some reason, my mouth wouldn't let me say it. Um, actually, I had him on my roster last year, uh, kind of hoping for the best because the running back competition was far weaker um, last mm-hmm. year. But Dare uh, is essentially um, Tampa Bay James White. So if you've uh, got Dare on your waiver wire um, this offseason and you're able to submit waiver claims this offseason, uh, do it. He's cheap. He could pay off massively. Uh, so moving on to 108 here, I'm going to go ahead and say Jalen Rager is who I want to take. Uh, I think he's got massive target opportunity there in Philadelphia. He's a great deep threat for Carson Wentz, who is one of the better deep ball throwers in the NFL. And uh, like I said, he has an astronomical ceiling that he could develop in, uh, himself into as a wide receiver. Uh, Tyree Kill-esque uh, in terms of 
you know, route inventory. And um, I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, when I've watched his tape, I see, I see that. So that's, that's my gut take. That's my gut reaction to Jalen Rager. Yeah. And that's why I'm taking him over Jerry Judy. So yeah, Rager's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Josh to you at 109. At 109. I am going to take Jerry Judy. Um, as a Chiefs fan, I regret this draft pick, but I do think I would take Jerry Judy um, in Denver. And, and here's why. I think, honestly, when I think of Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton being a one and two, it takes me right back to like 2015 when Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders were both on the field. You have a big physical wide receiver that can catch the ball, like, and then you also have this other route technician who can run routes so well and carve out um, some pretty great yardage in the slots. I think that he has potential to be one of the better receivers in terms of fantasy points this year. I don't think that he'll be better than CeeDee Lamb long-term or Jalen Rager long-term, but I do think Jerry Judy has potential to be one of the better wide receivers, at least in 2020. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an elite uh, route runner. Um, it, we'll, we'll see if Drew Locke can hit him in stride. <laughs> Drew Locke is Josh Allen if Josh Allen couldn't run. So um, take that into consideration when you're looking at Jerry Judy. I, I, I'm, wait, I'm hearing some Broncos fans. I'm, I'm hearing Broncos fans crying over that take. <laughs> no, no, no. They're just, they're just complaining. Yeah, okay. Um, if you're a Broncos fan and you're listening to this podcast, you should know we're both Chiefs fans, so just deal with it. It's going to be okay. We don't hate you. We still appreciate your listenership. Just know that every once in a while we're going to throw an elbow at you. So there you sure. go. Um, let's see, 110? That's where we're at, right? Yeah, we're at 110. This is an easy pick. Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Easily has probably one of the highest floors of any wide receiver in this, uh, of the wide receivers in this class. Um if you look at the target opportunity there in Minnesota, even if they're a run-first, run-heavy team, uh, all those vacated targets from Stephon Diggs are there for the taking. And Justin Jefferson is better than B.C. Johnson. And Adam Thielen is coming off of a severe hamstring injury from last year, and he's 31. So this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the primary target competition being Irv Smith Jr. and B.C. Johnson and some games Adam Thielen. So um, I think Justin Justin Jefferson is a shoe-in for uh, being a sneaky. <laughs> I, I guess you can't be a shoe-in to be sneaky, can you? Like maybe if you're a slipper. He's a slipper in. <laughs> God. To be a top 24 wide receiver? I think I don't so. Know. I don't know. That's, that's how I feel. And that's how I feel. He's got a chip on his shoulder too. I mean, they did an interview with him, and he was talking about how – he was shocked that he wasn't one of the you know top receivers taken um, mm-hmm. in the draft, and it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he fell to the Vikings. It's a great fit. I'm glad that he's there, and I think he's going to play well. But I think he's got an opportunity to really show us what he can do. I think uh, you can't go wrong taking Justin Jefferson at the 110, and I wouldn't blame you to take him in the top three wide receivers. I wouldn't blame you for taking him over um, Jerry Judy. I wouldn't blame you for taking him over Jalen Rager, even. If you want a safer floor, if you want to have that confidence, knowing that he is a technically sound wide receiver and and the other guys still have some development to do, Um, not saying Jerry Judy needs some development. Um, If anything, he just needs to add a couple of pounds. Um, But 
Justin Jefferson is already there. So um, he's a great, great pick for 110. Uh, so, Josh, uh, we'll skip it to you at 111. Well, I um, am very stressed about having to make this pick, but I feel like you have to. The first wide receiver taken off of the board in the NFL draft was Henry Ruggs, no. the third. And I know that people aren't crazy about him, but if he's at the 110, you have to take the chance. This guy is... 111. Or 111, sorry. At 111, you have to take a chance. Because the reality is, is this guy was drafted as a decoy. That is 100% what he was drafted as. Mm -hmm. If you look at Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, their stock stock skyrocketed when Henry Ruggs got drafted. Because all of that middle yardage stuff is going to go to them. But this is where I, I, I believe that you have to take Ruggs for... Even though he was drafted as a decoy... This guy could be a Tyreek Hill type who's going to catch everything on the run, or he could be a Darius Hayward Bay who does nothing with his career. And I think that's really scary. And so you'd be taking a chance at at drafting him, but the reality is is this guy really does have the ability um, to just rack up yards, and he's got the ability to get some distance touchdowns. Now you also need to know that when he was at Alabama – he was not the deep target guy in Alabama. That was Devontae. Uh, what's his last name? Smith. Is it Devontae Smith? Is that who Devonta it was? Smith, yeah. Devonta Smith. And so Devonta Smith actually had way more deep route targets um, than Henry Ruggs did. But I think Henry Ruggs is still going to be a great wide receiver, at least in the role he was drafted for. And so I think that he will get yardage. He will look good. I think the issue is, did you draft uh, a wide receiver that's going to produce? Because most first-round wide receivers – um, in the last five years, haven't produced. And you can see that stat on our Twitter page. Um, and so this guy could be a John Ross where he gets maybe like less than 100 targets, or this guy could be a Calvin Ridley who gets, you know, 10 touchdowns in a season. And the, both of those are, are, are vastly opposite sides of the spectrum. He'll probably most likely fall somewhere in the middle. But I think that if you're at the 11th pick, at this point, Henry Ruggs is the best pick. Yeah, um, certainly if you're, if you're at the 111, you're probably uh, a team that played in the championship, your fantasy championship. So, right. you know, it's totally justifiable to take a swing like this and go for the upside. Um, you know, obviously, Ruggs was drafted because he was the fastest wide receiver in the class and because he was one of the most efficient wide receivers in the class. I'm like 24 touchdowns on less than. 90 targets, 80 targets, something like that. I should probably be more prepared, have the actual numbers in front of me. I'm just going off of what I've seen. 112 for the champion here, depending on how your league is distributes picks here. Um, for our league, it would be the champion. Uh, the 112, I am going to go... Gosh, this is a hard one. If yeah. you got the 112, you should probably try to trade out of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say too because it's a rough it's a rough pick. You're either going to pick some wide receivers that are, are major hit or miss or you're going to have to draft the QB in the first round. Ugh. No, that's or, not going to happen. Not uh, a one quarterback. No, absolutely. I don't know, be, Jordan. I feel like if you can land a guy – I don't know. I feel like if you can land a guy – that could be your starter for five to seven years in a dynasty league, then yes. I mean, if you're in a dynasty league and you're in year one or two, you're probably not thinking that way. You're probably thinking like, oh, this is just like playing Madden. If I don't like my team, I'll just start over. 
But if you've been in a dynasty league for a long time, QBs are valuable, and there's a lot of QBs that have gotten you into the championship that are aging out. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you could even make the argument that Derek Carr, I mean, Mariota's on a different team now, Winston's on a different team now. So the quarterback uh, is, is a moving position right now. There's going to be a lot of open spots in the next couple years, which means there's either going to be a lot of hits or a lot of misses. And so if you've got the 12th pick, it's not crazy to draft a quarterback in the first round, in my opinion. It's crazy. We can agree to disagree. I will disagree to disagree. <laughs> okay. It's crazy. Here's why. You trade back in that situation. You trade down. So uh, you don't take a quarterback in the first round. And I'm going to disagree with you. Your job. 112. I'm not going to go quarterback because if you need a quarterback, you trade the F back. You trade back, okay? Um, the only justifiable thing that, you know, if you're at the 112 and you're looking at a quarterback and you think Joe Burrow is the next Andrew Luck, like if that's your belief and your quarterbacks are – um, like you said, you know, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, then yeah, maybe you could justify taking a swing since you just won the championship. But any other way, any other reason, or any other scenario that you're in the 112, you don't make that pick. You make a pick like Michael Pittman. I'm going to go with Michael Pittman. You uh, watch the video of, of his coaches reaction when they were able to draft him and they about I mean it was I mean I don't want to use profanity here so just just no it was crazy it was crazy they flipped their lids you know stuff flew people were screaming people were crying people were um, having a spiritual experience it was it was something it was euphoric Uh, to to see that they yeah to see that they valued Michael Pittman this highly um, that tells me that they're going to use him, they're going to feed him, and they're going to make sure that he develops. Um, and he's, you know, sure he's he was a senior and he wasn't an early declare, and he really only had like one and a half seasons of of excellence on his college uh, resume, and those are all typically red flags. Um, but I think in this scenario where there's not really an X type receiver in Indianapolis. Um, you're looking at a player who, who for the, those type of targets, has no competition on the roster. He's the guy. They drafted him to be the guy. They called him Vincent Jackson. This has been In My League podcast. Thank you guys for listening so much to our first round mock for rookie drafts. Uh, be paying attention as we're getting ready to soon drop the next episode, which will be a second round mock. For those of you in Dynasty Leagues, thank you guys again for listening to In My League. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our episodes so that you can be the first to know when an episode drops. Thanks for listening. What's what's our Twitter handle? What's our Twitter handle? Our Twitter is at IML Podcast. Damn right it is. Go follow us. <laughs> <laughs>